This is episode 70 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl and all things sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, and horror. My name is Dave, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Wayne, and uh, it's a sad time for genre fans. Not much on. No, and and what is on is being canceled. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I still haven't seen the hundred yet. the The season finale was last night, and it's it's at least coming back. Right, that's a good and thing. You 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 have seen it. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, you know, okay. I, I I remember you said that there was mixed reviews about, it, but uh, I thought it was solidly in keeping with the show as it is. Right, it didn't go like in a crazy. I mean, there is a kind of new direction type thing, but it basically stayed true to itself as a show and, and didn't really kind of go outside of itself and reaching for the you know season finale. The other thing I did notice in the genre television world is that, uh, did you notice what Daryl's doing over at Golden Spiral Media? I did not notice what Daryl was okay, doing. Okay, well, he obviously had to come up with a new show since the ones he was doing were canceled. Yeah, and, and he, he got hit hard. He did get hit hard, but uh, he's going to do Falling Skies with Emily, who was my co-host on Revolution for TV Talk. And they did uh, Falling Skies for TV Talk already last summer, so they're bringing it to Golden Spiral Media. So they put out episode zero, which is usually just the episode to introduce yourselves and the podcast and just basically to get the feed going so that people can download it so you know i'm gonna check them out for sure oh yeah absolutely i need to get caught I, I, well i mean i am caught up but I, I i might have to i don't have much time i know but i might do a quick falling skies rewatch because that's it's pretty easy to do right yeah. it's like what three seasons yeah wayne yeah in about uh, six days you're gonna have time okay okay right <laughs> all right so true just reminding you I, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to really do it, but you know, it's just, it's so long between seasons with Falling Skies that it's, you know, it's always like, what the hell was happening the last time I watched this show? Almost a whole calendar year ago, you know. Well, you know, and, and and look, I used to do rewatches of Lost every summer and rewatches of Fringe every summer to get ready for the coming season. But I don't know. It just seems like there's so many shows that I'm trying to keep up with these days. You can't do it for all of them. So true. You pick out your main one or two and do the rewatch. And yeah, and I, yeah. I just finished. I got caught up with Mad Men. And oh, by the way, something about Mad Men. Uh, one of our favorite actors. Uh, certainly one of our. If I said who is one of your favorite recurring character actors in in genre television you would probably say who roger cross okay I, I thought he might be your first choice so who would you say after that uh brian markinson bam oh okay. yeah markinson has a pretty big part in uh season four of uh of mad men oh okay yeah and he's he's you know he's great yeah i mean he uh you know like they say there's like the markinson you know part per se or, or type but uh I, this, he just does so i think he does a lot of different type of characters i've seen him do so many different you know i don't know if there is such a thing that uh you know as the part he plays in continuum which would be what i think genre fans consider the like the, the markinson kind of you know prototype prototypical character well, i would like to see him and roger cross do comedy sometime but uh, i bet I you they know. could yeah, I, I figured Roger well, Cross what? was playing an Irishman on uh, uh, Orphan Black, you know? <laughs> right, true. Although that's not comedy. No, but I'm just saying that, that that guy can act. Man, he's not just a tough guy, you know. He's he can he can do it all. Uh, you know, I got a couple news items, not too much, but but they're both really 
you know, new to me. I, I, I hadn't really run across them. So it's like you know, news I, to us. News to us. All right. So anyway, Universal Cable is acquiring the rights to Robert Charles Wilson's Hugo Award-winning novel, Spin, with hopes to turn the time-bending tale into an event series, according to The Hollywood Reporter. So number one, yeah, okay, won the Hugo Award, big sci-fi award, but I'd really never heard of it. So the book tells the story of three friends as they try to survive after the stars seemingly disappear. NASA determines it's a black energy barrier surrounding the Earth, and time is traveling much faster outside of the barrier. Civilization then learns it doesn't have much time before the sun expands and consumes the planet. So, sounds cool. It's going to be produced by Rob Morrow, who certainly is not a genre guy. Yeah, numbers, Joan of Arcadia. And again, there's the Northern some, Exposure, too. Northern Exposure, thank you. Okay. No network currently attached, but... Uh, there is a trilogy of books by Wilson. So if it does come to fruition, there's going to be plenty of source material. Now, the other one revolves around Damon Lindelof. And, and as far as I know, this is his first television project after Lost. I mean, he's certainly done a lot of movies, uh, Star Trek, certainly among the more prominent ones, but The Leftovers. And uh, it is. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, I, yeah, I knew, when you said Damon Lindelof, I'm like, what, what do I know? I, I know he's, you know, like I, I knew it was coming, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a, we've got a trailer out, and it's uh, uh, the global, it's basically about the global response to the fact that 2% of the planet's population has suddenly disappeared. Yeah. And it's based on Tom Parada's novel of the same name, and it's going to be on HBO. And it's going to focus on the people that are left behind after an apparent rapture-like event. Uh, Lindelof said it's going to basically adopt the premise of the world has almost ended, didn't end. Now we're back to playing softball, paying our taxes, going to school. But if you look outside the window, it'll look like it does right now. But if you watch long enough, about two minutes of every 100-minute cycle, something very weird might walk by. Okay, so we've got some stars attached. Uh, Justin Thoreau, Leif Tyler, Amy Brenneman, Michael Gaston, Ann Dowd, and Christopher Eccleston. Nice. And the best part, it's set to premiere June 29th on HBO. So we don't have to wait too long for that one. Yeah, you know, I was... Because they they show the trailers right before Game of Thrones. So it's like, you know, you're right there. It's you, There's no way you're going to miss it. And so it definitely looks enticing. Then I read about it in Rolling Stone and like... Not so good. Well, no, it, it says it's a... I think they gave it a favorable review, but they say like like stuff that... like All right, I'll just say they said like like they kill a baby or babies get killed. And I oh, just okay. like... Something like that for me is, is kind of like a, that... I don't know if I... You know... I wish they hadn't put that in there. Well, I guess I see now I'm torn is basically what I'm saying. Normally that would be a stopper for me. Like, no way. I am absolutely not watching. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll watch it. I'll I'll give you a, uh, you know, a quick synopsis of whether or not I think you should watch it based on that. Okay. That's, that's a good idea. Well, you could tell me whether the rest of it is worth it enough for me to psychically suffer through this one scene uh, if the rest of it is worth it, maybe I could do that, you know? Exactly. So, all right. Well, anyway, we're here to talk about episode seven of Birds of Prey it is called Split, and it aired on November 20th, 2002. 
Teleplay by Adam Armas again and Kay Farmer. Story by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. But uh, before we get into that, you're going to give us a little bit of multiple personality disorder stuff yes. in Project X. Or, as in modern parlance, dissociative identity disorder. Oh, <laughs> sounds much more. What's the acronym D-I-D. for that? D-I-D. Uh, okay. Did. I guess so. Um, so, yeah, like multiple personality disorder, it's something that, you know, obviously makes for really good like television and drama and stuff like that, you know, so much so that people might actually question whether it's an actual thing, right? It seems too outrageous to be an actual thing that happens, but it does. Um, and it's actually, we all practice dissociation in minor ways, you know, um, when you like forget things or you kind of, uh, um, you, you see things like from a distance, uh, you feel like anytime you feel like this kind of lack of connection, like daydreaming, um, getting lost in the moment, things like that, that that's dissociation in mild forms. Um, but when a person experiences severe trauma, uh, if the trauma is severe enough, they might actually form another personality that is more capable of dealing with the trauma. Now, an interesting thing about DID that I, I just learned is that it's not, I, I, most people tend to see it as you form like a new personality, right? Like it's a new person somehow pops up in your head, like, um, but it's, it's actually like a, a fracturing of your personality, so instead of like a, a new one forming, it's really just your personality splitting into different aspects that are. So basically, it's it's already there. It's nothing that's not in you already. It's something that is inside of you, maybe very latently, very buried deep down, but it is inside of you. And so, so so it is an actual thing, though obviously um, you know very difficult to treat. Though uh, people who suffer from DID are you're particularly, um, I don't want to say susceptible, they, um, amenable, I guess would be more a better word, to uh, hypnosis. Like they really get into hypnosis very easily and everything. Um, and so, you know, DID, obviously, because you, you think, well, it's like, you know, like two different personalities, and they don't know about each other. So that's why um, during the episode when, um, what's his, Dark, Dark Strike. Strike, when they went to, to catch the crawler and Dark Strike, like you know, she throws a crawler out the window, and then Dark Strike shows up like right after. It's like, oh, I just got hit in the head and everything. I'm like, oh, well, okay, now I know what's going on. Like right there, you know, it's like kind of the Clark Kent Superman thing where you never saw the two together. I was, I thought it was weird right away that here's a superhero who's been chasing the guy for two years and has been unable to catch him. That seemed unlikely as well. And then so when he like shows, like, oh, okay, he's got, you know, it's kind of like split personalities. And again, same thing, you know, like he experiences a severe trauma. And in order to deal with it, he, you know, like his personality fragments and he ends up forming these two extra personalities. But, then, it, you know, it's, it goes beyond that because obviously, like, oftentimes the main personality is going to suffer from, like, depression and sleep disorder and alcohol and drug abuse and other things that might go. So, you know, it's not like you know you have a multiple personality, right? You, you don't know it. You just, like, you, you kind of have blank spots. You forget things. You don't, you, you find yourself in places you can't explain it. No rational person can say, oh, clearly it's because 
I have another person inside my head who every now and then takes over and takes me to places, and then I, I wake up there and I don't know. You know, like, there's probably a million other explanations you would have for it before you would come to that conclusion. Uh, so obviously, it's the person's going to be troubled. The main personality is going to be troubled and confused and and depressed about what's going on. So it's really, uh, you know, a really very, you know, really, really obviously rough uh, disorder and something that is, can, you know, and I I didn't really see much about how treatable it is. Um, I guess it's just with you know normally with psychiatry that the person has to find some way to deal with the initial trauma. Uh, but I think something that severe is probably not very treatable at all. I'm not, that, that I really don't know about. So I'm just kind of going off on my own as far as that one goes. Now, the last thing I wanted to say about multiple, I'm sorry, uh, dissociative identity disorder is that, and again, I'm, I'm taking a chance you might say is, if I said like, the, what's like the first movie that comes to mind if you think about like, you know, split personalities and everything being a major plot point of it? Oh, uh, Sybil. Okay, uh, yeah, Sybil was actually mine. The, all right, let me see. So, what's the coolest movie? <laughs> you might not oh. have seen. Have you ever seen Fight Club? Well, I have. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so like Fight Club was what Sybil was uh, the first one that came to mind for me too. And then I, I thought about it more like, oh, Fight Club. And then I, I realized that when I started thinking, oh, what was the name of of Edward Norton's character in Fight Club? I'm like I couldn't remember, so I went to like I went online to find out. I realized he he he's unna- he remains unnamed throughout the whole movie. I'm like. Wow, that's, that's yeah, I never even thought about that before. And I've seen that movie like a gazillion times. Um, so you know, and then Brad Pitt playing Tyler Durden, the you know the the part of his person, the, the tough guy part of his personality that before was kind of hidden, and then uh, you know ends up coming out. Uh, the other one that I thought, of, um, did you used to watch Taxi back in the day? Nah, not really. Okay. I mean, I've seen some. So when I was a kid, it was like on syndication. Um, and it was, you know, a really funny show. And Andy Kaufman played, uh, Laka Gravis, right? The, uh, the f- yeah, foreign, sure. uh, cab driver. And Laka is very meek and mild and people are always kind of, you know, taking advantage of him and stuff. And so he develops his personality, Vic Ferrari, who's, uh, an American. He's loud, obnoxious and obstreperous and everything like that. So, um, and it was, it was, uh, actually pretty funny though. Vic Ferrari kind of annoyed me, I remember as a kid. But uh, so, yeah, like I said at the beginning of this, is that this is dealt with often in in pop culture. I think the United States of Terra, I know, is a is a show. I've never seen it. I think it's on Showtime, maybe. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, right. About a woman who who suffers from uh, dissociative identity, who has like like a like a ton of different personalities, I believe. So anyway, that's what All I right. got. All right. Well, listen. Um, you know, obviously, we'll we'll get to why that's important in, in a few minutes, but just you know, first impressions about this episode. I guess for me, that I, I certainly didn't feel like it was one of the stronger episodes no. to this point. No. And it, you know, I don't want to say that it's having me question the show, but it's having me question the show a little bit. I mean, I still enjoy it, but it's it's almost. You know, there's too many things, and I know you know. Looking at at, at some of the notes that you have, uh, we have some of the same concerns, but it's it's almost as if it's gone. It's going too campy. Uh, we don't want you to go ultra serious. You don't have to be Arrow, but I don't know. There needs to be a better balance. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I think the main issue I had with it is, and as I've alluded to already, that and is that you, you just see this coming from a mile away. Like right. the big surprise is absolutely no surprise at all. Um, we suspect Dark Strike almost immediately. Of you know, so it's just you know it wasn't. I, I don't know if it it was meant to be a big, but something like that you think is supposed to be shocking, and it so wasn't. You know. Right, and and I guess in that regard, it's, I mean, it's interesting because most split personalities or dissociative, what is it, dissociative identity, dissociative disorder, identity, yeah, they're not also shapeshifters. Correct. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and you know, so so certainly that was an interesting twist. But it sounds uh, funny you should say it because actually, when people take on the new personality, the new personality talks differently, walks differently, holds themselves. So it it, it almost is like they are shapeshifters in a way. Uh, right. Yeah, right. They don't, sure. Their face doesn't change or anything, but they you know all every aspect of them takes on a completely different mannerism so right now the interesting thing is for fans of fringe they're going to recognize uh the crawler as the first shapeshifter in fringe right was he like he looked familiar i didn't i didn't look up yeah i'm pretty sure he, he was, was the first one, you uh, know, the one that, when they discovered you had to put the uh the spike yeah. in the back of the neck or something yeah i'm pretty sure right, he in, was the, the, first in one. the in the soft palette there they had to right and certainly this predates uh, fringe by yeah. several years oh. um but but like you said he he's not aware that you know he's doing this so i mean in terms of a plot that that certainly is pretty cool that that he spent all this time doesn't realize that he's chasing himself right it does make him to be a pretty compelling tragic figure you know um, yeah and you know th- that's one thing i was thinking about with the show is that you, you, you We'll take the three women, and obviously Barbara Gordon plays it fairly straight, right? Dina Meyer plays that character fairly straight, and and I like that. I, I think that really works. And Rachel Scarston plays her character like a typical teenager. She's perhaps a little bubblier than most teenagers, but but it's okay. You know, I mean, I think she's got enough. Uh, mood swings, you know, and certainly we can understand the mood swings when she, you know, when she meets her mother after all that time and then her mother's killed. Uh, and then in this episode where she's like, just kind of going, you know, schoolgirl crush when Dig, uh, Dark Strike shows up to then, you know, well, Helena, why don't you go out with him? He's your type. You guys both are crime fighters. But my favorite character is starting to really annoy me. <laughs> and yeah. And you know, obviously, that's Huntress. I mean, the show really does seem to be about her, and I don't—I don't mean just this episode. It just seems like the show in general is more about her on a week-to-week basis than either of the other two. Yeah, this, the last couple episodes for sure have been uh, definitely Huntress-centric type episodes. Yeah, and and you know, I was trying to remember with Arrow. I mean, obviously, we're starting to see a little bit of an influx now of other superheroes. But this is the first time that we've seen another superhero, right? No, Black Canary. Well, oh, right, right, right. Well, of course, right. But, you know, you mentioned about the the villains, and and, I think one of the things that the villains are just too silly, right? I mean, Dr. Quinzel is just, I don't know. I mean, at first I I thought she was funny. I, I enjoyed the campiness. I enjoyed her, you know, we can, you know, oh, all this money and we can buy 
you know, guns and bombs right. and shoes. Right. And uh, I don't know, but it, it's just starting to, uh, you know, to say wear on me, that's, you know, overstated. Uh, well, I, I think with Dr. Quinzel is that she's not really, she hasn't really kind of like actively been a bad guy yet. I mean, we know she's a bad guy. We know she's orchestrating all these things. But we haven't really seen her in action doing something bad, you know. Like with uh, who is it? Who who is it? Deathstrike the on Arrow. Dark Dark Strike. No, on Arrow the Deathstroke. Deathlock. Deathlock. I don't know, but some 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 cool ass name like that. But anyway, you know, like it's not like we saw him behind a desk arranging other. You know, he was out there being evil. Right. Right. Darth Vader is not a middle manager. Right. He's out right. there choking people and cutting people up with his lightsaber. So if you want to be an effective bad guy, you can't just sit behind the desk and tell people what to do. You got to get out there. You got to get your hands dirty and you have to do some actual evil. That's that's my point. Because <laughs> evil is so much more interesting. Well, evil is better than good because good is dumb. Right, well, that's uh, what, isn't that what she tells yes. uh, Reese when he comes to see her? Uh, right. So, but she's just she's just repeating what uh, Dark Helmet said in Spaceballs. Right. right. All right. Now, <laughs> evil uh, will always win over good because yes. good is dumb. All right. So anyway, so opening scene, uh, Reese is fighting this bad guy, and and you know it's kind of problematic on several different levels, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes, indeed. Well, I, you know, and again, I, I feel like. I I feel like sometimes I nitpick too much, you know. But like, because like I'm already kicking it. It's like first scene. I'm already in nitpick mode, and that's you know. And I'm a big fan of just letting the show roll, right? But yeah, the boat. and I think we have. Uh, you know, yeah. I think this is the first show that that we're we feel like we're we're being a, a little negative. Yeah, because he's out there without any backup at all, like fighting with a bad guy, right? Like I, I, I'm not a police officer, but I know that's not procedure, right? And yeah. then the whole lecture about being too physical yeah, with the bad guys, the guy. and, and then of course, and then he slams his head into the car, right? Hypocrite. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and that's like, well, were you looking for me for any particular reason? Reese asks her, and you know, she lies clearly. She, you know, she says she was tracking the same guy, which is of course not true. Uh, why can't working with you ever be simple? Yeah. And, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, no, but th- I think we both have the same problem. It's like, come on. I mean, th- look, yeah. this show I th- believe was aimed at teenagers, right? I mean, it's it's it seems like it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, and and that's fine. That doesn't mean as adults we can't enjoy it. But come on, already. You know, we get it. You guys like each other. Stop doing the dance, and uh, you know, just acknowledge it. So maybe you don't take it anywhere, but geez, at least acknowledge what we all have known for six weeks now exactly and it's just uh, i I used the word tedious in the notes i'm going to stick with that it's just freaking tedious it's the same conversation every week yep now just really move on or get it on like one way or the other stop complaining about the complexity of your relationship it's like dude it ain't that complex. It's not that complex. Yeah. So now the interesting thing, though, and certainly this is, I think, a strong point, is that the crawler kills women that he thinks don't deserve to be loved. Yeah. And 
I mean, look, I mean, I think, and, and we've mentioned this before, that's got to be part of Helena's problem, that she just doesn't think she deserves it, or certainly she's afraid, but I, I think it comes back to just the, the deserving thing. She just doesn't think she deserves it for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, it, my opinion is they should let her, they should have, I guess they should, they should, they should have, let her go a little bit. Instead of locking her into this monogamous non-relationship with Reese, have her go out and hook up, you know? Yeah. Have her express her sexuality instead of being this very, I mean, she's in the black leather, but she's very repressed. And that doesn't seem to jive with her actual character, which right. is no. kind of freelancing, I do what I want to do type person, you know? Yeah, right. And and on the other hand, that it's kind of refreshing, I guess, to a certain extent that, you know, she can be, you know, wild and crazy, free spirit, like you said, but sexually she's going to wait for the right person. Yeah. So, I mean, so whatever it is now. But if you want re- ratings, that's not how you play it. Well, and, and the irony is uh, the ratings for the show were pretty good, um, you know, and, and could have been better. Uh, if they had her well, it could up. have been better, but I think part of the problem was, the, and, and again, I was doing some reading uh, earlier in the week, that that the network, and we've said this before, the network was really never behind the show. The show didn't really, I guess, give the network what it thought it was getting, and I'm not exactly sure what that is. But, you know, it was up against, and, and it, not Law and Order, uh, what was the show about the, it took place at the White House? The, uh, the West Wing? The West Wing. It was up against the West Wing. and That was and, a popular show. So they had a lot of things against it, and even though the ratings dropped, they were still good numbers, but they used it as an excuse to cancel it. But regardless, what the heck is Reese's excuse in all of this? Right? I mean, yeah. we, 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 we know he you – know, did he have a relationship with the DA that, that comes on this case tonight? He says it was a blind date. You get the impression it was perhaps a little more than a blind date. Yeah, so th- th- that's what I was wondering about. Is he saying that they dated before, like even you know, before this episode occurred? Yeah, that's the way I took yeah, it. Yeah, that's because when he said it was a blind date, I'm like, because they were talking about in the beginning, did she say something about like, oh, there was some like not actual exchange in numbers. I can't remember what she said, but it's, it's well, right, but she certainly like implied the, the, that... the implication is you know where to find me, big boy type thing. Right. Um, and then he said it was a blind date. It's like. Wait, blind date? You you know her, you know, and everything. So I don't know. Yeah, that's just that's just silly. Though my parents met on a blind date. So really, All right, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, they're not superheroes, are they? Not that I know of. Okay. All right. So uh, we talked about the bat ring and how you know she gave it to him. He gave it back. Then she gives it back. You know, and all that. So so he uses it uh, last week, right? He he supposedly used it unconsciously. Uh, this week, I guess it was a conscious effort, and Jesse's partner blows off the supernatural aspect of the crime. So, you know, we, we've seen Jesse see too many things that he's got to accept. And, you know, a- again, the partner, it's they got to do something with that. It can't be the same thing every week. You can't have the, the bumbling partner. Uh, yeah, it's not even the same partner from last week. Right, right, because he's uh, he got all burnt up in the explosion. So actually, the I'm not I'm not sure that I think that dude was like a a, pl- a plain clothes, not plain clothes, a uniform officer. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was his partner. Right. I think it was just but, like an officer at the scene, but still take on the same role again. And, and a lot of this show tonight was 
the relationship thing because you know then they bring Lynn in, and of course Huntress is is on the scene as she always seems to be, and clearly she's jealous and you know says a few things. Jesse says a few things. You know, it's like, hey, I heard something up in the tree. Oh, he's with me, and oh, you two together, and, and again, just like. Yeah, yeah, the the whole faux jealousy thing was yeah. It, it yeah. was it was again the word that comes to mind is tedious. Yeah, it's yeah. tedious. Because if they were 15 or 16, I think it'd be understandable somewhat, but uh right, I just if 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 I'm not saying they have, have to hop in the sack with one another. Oh, I agree but with just, you, but you know, like advance acknowledge this it. Re- acknowledge it and advance this and stop with this BS basically, you know. Right. So, uh, all right. So, anyway, we 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 see what dark. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not dark strike. Uh, we see what uh, the crawler is actually doing, and now we're into the creepy area of the show, and, and that was creepy in a good way. He's got the girl, yeah. you know, bound up. He's got the perfect romantic setting, candles, food, all sorts of stuff, uh, and uh, love must die. So it's like I don't, you know, it's almost like there there are women that he thinks don't deserve to have love. So what's he do? He puts them in a situation. It's almost like tantalizing, taunting them, and then he's going to kill them. Right. I guess. I guess it's kind of, it was all very Hannibal Lecter type things, you know. Yeah. Like, good call. Yes, absolutely. Um, which it struck me as, and then they do that the the shot where the camera is rotating around the table. It starts with the girl and is facing away from her the whole time, so we know that the girl is down there, and we know she's tied up. So when the camera finally comes around the other angle of the table and finally comes to rest on the girl, and she's tied up, and it's supposed to be shocking, but it's not because the minute the camera starts and doesn't show us the girl, we know she's bound and gagged at the other end of the table. How do we know this? Because we saw Silence of the Lambs. Right. Now, is this the first time that Reese goes to Dr. Quinzel for psychological profiling. That is an excellent question, my friend. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it is. so. Yeah, I think so. And you wonder, it's the first time we've seen it, so is it the first time, uh, you know, they don't necessarily seem to have a relationship, yeah, a working relationship. So I'm guessing it is the same, you know, so what, is she the only psychiatrist in Gotham, in yeah, Gotham City, I guess? I guess, I um, guess yeah. I guess it is what it is. All right. Well, anyway, uh, you know, we've been talking about Helena and one of the, the scenes that I did really like is when she's having that conversation early on with Jesse and, you know, like, again, we probably should have brought it up a few minutes ago, but I'd like to look at the law as a guideline, you know, a helpful suggestion. And, you know, the term vigilante is used several times in this episode and, and obviously vigilante has negative connotations, but clearly She's one of the good guys, just as Arrow is also, right? Oliver, yep. Oliver Queen's a vigilante, but he's a good guy. Right. I think most people see him as a good guy anyway. So I don't know. You know, I don't What's her problem with men? We don't know. I think we've talked about that before. Has she been hurt? Who hurt her? Probably never going to find out, but. Yeah, you're right. That, well, too, you know, maybe it'll be the big. Uh, well, we're at the halfway point, so. This yeah, is we're, the, we're slightly over, right? Well, you know, there, there, are, there are 13 episodes. I believe there's 14. I think they, they have a pilot that they didn't air, uh, uh, which actually had some, I'm not sure if it was a different Barbara Gordon. I, f- I forget what it was. It was. One of the characters was different. 
Oh, okay. Anyway, we don't see a whole lot of Dinah in this episode, but I, I, I did like what she did in this episode. You know, the attraction to Dark Strike. Uh, you know, like we said, more of a schoolgirl crush. Uh, and he tells her about fighting side by side with her mother, which we know was true, right? Because yeah. obviously Barbara Gordon was there and has history with this guy. Sure, yeah, because yeah, right, knows Barbara true. knows who, who he is and everything. Yep. And we do see the one critical scene where, you know, they rescue the abducted girl and they're trying to find the crawler. And she says, look, well, let me do it. I can, you know, basically use my power to read his memories. And Barbara's a little reluctant to let her do it. I I guess it it takes something out of her and she's still relatively inexperienced. Yeah. But I mean, she's done this before, but when she reads Amy's memories, you know, she like, brain does something weird you know well yeah and here she passes out right right after doing so yeah that that is a big question so why that happened because like we said i mean we know she's done it before and it's and possibly it's just because of the um the the magnitude of the memory and the split personalities and everything that's you know causing i I don't know but Yeah. yeah Uh, Barbara was pretty much a non-issue in this. Yeah, episode, totally non-issue. Right? Yeah. Um, so After know. you know, just you know, moving, advancing her relationship uh, last week pretty significantly. Um, now she's barely in the episode at all. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even see her back at the clock tower on comms that much. So yeah, nope. you know, and ordinarily, I think in, in this day and age, we'd say, oh, she must have been off filming some other show that she's working on. But I don't think at the time she was doing anything else. But yeah, you know, know, anyway, um, you know, now, you know, they do catch him and the, you know, I do like what they did with him, which is to lock him up in the Arkham Asylum. And yes. that's, I guess, the place where they lock up anybody. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's big time out of the Batman mythology. That's that, like the Joker and the Riddler and everything get locked up there. Right. Whoever they don't understand or don't know what to do with or don't write. So they put them there. And then obviously the big question is, uh, is Dr. Quinzel going to free him? Because we see that scene there at the end where he's in the uh, glass enclosed right. and uh, pa- it, page right out of uh, Continuum almost. Yes. And she's talking to him and, and you know, obviously – she has a certain amount of control in this situation. So you wonder, well, I think we know she's going to release him at some point. Clearly. Uh, it might not have happened until season two, in which case it will never happen. But yeah, obviously she's looking to release this guy. And she is very close now to Huntress because now she's got a guy who knows who Huntress is and what she looks like and everything. Yeah. So yeah, like Crawler doesn't know, but you know, like Darkstrike does. Even yeah, and that, that's weird that he's like I had thought that he had purged the Crawler personality uh, somehow, but obviously not. And he's locked up. So like, has Darkstrike been shoved? He's been has a Darkstrike personality been repressed now or something? It's just I don't know. That, yep. that seemed very weird and confusing to me. Well, you know, one of the things, and, and, you know, you and I can talk about this at work instead of working, um, <laughs> you know, maybe what we, we can talk about, uh, and when I say we, I mean you, on Project X one week is is I've done a little bit of reading about what 
a lot of hardcore comic fans find wrong with this series. And, and I'll just throw one little thing out there that why doesn't she wear a mask when she's fighting crime? Right. I mean, she's got the black right. outfit and all of that. Why would you go into a crime right as a vigilante and let everybody see your face? Yeah. Oh, well, I guess a, I mean, if I were the writers of the show, I'd say a, she has I, a beautiful I, face. Exactly. Of course. That's the that that's the main reason right there. She's gorgeous. I'm not going to put anything over that face at all. Uh, but on the other hand, you could say, well, she's just such a badass and thinks so confident of herself that she feels like who's going to catch me? Yeah, but yeah. like you said, then, uh, Dark Strike knows what she looks like. So yeah, yeah, who knows? Anyway, uh, anything else you want to bring up? I mean, I, I think I've hit all my points. No, I think that's really kind of about it. Yeah, I think we, we covered the, the main meat of what I have as well. All right. Well, I'm going to throw out just a couple of things that you can uh, toss around in your brain and, and uh, the listeners can as well. You know, we've talked about at some point taking a look at Assassin's Tale, which is the uh, feature film with Anna Silk. And the other show that I have, you know, I've run across it a lot. I don't know if you watched it. I never did. Dark Angel. Nope. Oh, okay. James Cameron, uh, Jessica Alba is in the lead. It's kind of a, a post-apocalyptic uh, scientific experiment. You know, it sounds almost like it's it's uh, Orphan Black meets Terminator meets, you know, so it, it looks pretty interesting. Um and, you know, maybe that's something we'll, we'll talk about. So, you know, I, I guess what I would say, you know, uh, let Wayne and I know if you have a preference, what you, you know, I mean, we're going to continue with Birds of Prey for sure, but we're not opposed to maybe taking a week off to do something else and then coming back to Birds of Prey. So, you know, if you'd like us to talk about Assassin's Tale, if you think Dark Angel's a good idea, if you got something else that you think. You'd like us might, to might watch more to zombie about. movies, maybe? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No. So I uh, want to thank you for joining us. You can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com. You can leave us a message there. You can, you know, send us a tweet. Uh, two words, Dark Angel, nice. Assassin's Tale, something else. And, you know, we'd love to talk about it. Hashtag zombie. Exactly. So, uh, and... As most of the listeners are doing, continue to access us on iTunes. But until next time. Hey, Dave. Doesn't the evil is so much more interesting than good, don't you think? <laughs>